This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 248. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I want to talk a little bit about being overworked and underpaid. And the reason that this came up for me is I've been speaking to a lot of my coaching clients lately, and they all seem to have the same idea or theme that they're feeling overworked in the workplace, mostly because there's such a high demand and a lot of the practices don't have the support staff in order to support the veterinarians in the way that they would like to be supported. And so we often feel like we're super overworked. And then the underpaid part comes because I really do think that we're all underpaid in this profession. But um, I talked to a financial guy um, just today, actually. I recorded the podcast, and he'll be on next week. And although I didn't agree with all of the things that he said, I just always think it's interesting to talk about money. And when I think about money, I think about how veterinarians are often underpaid. And and some of it we can change, um, not only in our mindset, but also practically speaking in the practice. So that's what I'm going to talk about today, just a little bit here by myself. Before I get into that, I just want to encourage you to go to Amazon or my website and order my book. It's called Love Your Veterinary Life. I'm very excited about it. So far, I'm getting some good feedback, um, and people are saying that it is helping them uh, open their mind a little bit up to loving their job more. And that's kind of my goal. I want everyone in vet med to have a great life. And I think we can do that through coaching ourselves, through creating some boundaries, through understanding our clients. And there's a lot of things in this book to help you do that. So if you would be so kind, um, go get a copy of my book or you can actually even email me directly if you want a signed copy and I can sign one for you and put it in the mail. So it'll be snail mail, so it might take a little bit, but um, I'd be happy to do that for you. So go to my website, juliecapel.com or theveterinarylifecoach.com and sign up um, to get my book or just click on the link and it'll take you to Amazon and you can order it there. And um, if you like it, please leave me a review. That would help me so much. So um, that's my commercial for my book. Now, let's get into this discussion a little bit about overworked and underpaid. It seems that many of us are struggling. We're struggling mentally, emotionally, and even physically. And we always feel as if we're working more hours. And I think that's true because right now we have an increased demand on on all the practices. And in a lot of cases, It just shows up as us trying to put in more hours, trying to rush through more clients during the day. Our bosses are demanding that we see more. Um, I know even with me doing some relief work now, when I go to a hospital to do relief, there's always more demand than there are hours in the day to see the, the clients. So it's happening to all of us. And I think that it might slow down a little bit Um, It seems to be anyway now that the economy has really been struggling for a while. But I really do think that people want the best care for their pets. And because they want the best care for their pets, our demand is always going to be high. 
And I'm experiencing this right now with my own dog, Trent. He's been sick. He's got some sinus issues and we discovered he has a mucosal. So there's all these problems going on with him. And I'm trying to get him into a specialist to get some advice. And um, it's taking me weeks, um, almost months to get him into a specialist, and that's even with pulling strings. So I understand where the clients are coming from, but I also understand where us as veterinarians are coming from. We just don't have the physical capability to see all the things that need to be seen. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about the problems. I looked up a AVMA study. Um, it was by an economist named Matthew J. Salos. And um, he was talking about just very recently about the labor market and how hard it is to get um, associates, not only veterinarians, but also other staff like technicians, um, animal assistants, receptionists. It's such a hard market right now and the labor is, is so tight. And also it seems that our revenues that were really up in 2021 are starting to bow back down because we're getting a little bit more um, people tightening their belts so they're not spending as much money. And um, in this study, he talks about the root causes behind the busyness and then in turn our burnout in our veterinary practices. And so he thinks there's many, many factors contributing to it, and I tend to agree. It's not just the industry um, labor shortage, but there's also a higher demand. And I think people just think more of their pets. That human-animal bond is so much stronger, and they just want the best for their pets. And so therefore, they're willing to not only come into the veterinary hospital, but oftentimes spend the money to get the advice and also wait. Like I've been waiting for weeks um, to get my dog in and, and I'm just patiently waiting or, or maybe more, more likely impatiently because that's me. But we had a lot of pet adoptions during the pandemic. A lot of people got more animals and I think people are just getting more focused on the family. They want more pets because that is family to them. And when pets are family, then they're going to seek out quality veterinary care. And um, so it's a little bit oversimplified when I say it that way, but it definitely is a problem. So if you're feeling overworked, if you're feeling overwhelmed by your veterinary career right now, you're not alone. We all kind of are feeling that right now. Um, the other problem that was... Um, kind of indicated in this study that the AVMA did was the turnover from staff. And I think some people are getting out of the profession, but I also think that this study showed that um, people are going from job to job because sometimes you can quit one job, go to another job and make more money. So not only do we have higher adoptions, we also have higher turnover. And if you've ever run a business, you know that turnover is costly. There was a statistic in the study that clinical appointments per practice grew by 4.5% um, in 2020 and 2021, um, and actually going a little bit higher in 2021, up to 6.5%. And that's great if you own a veterinary hospital because you're, we're going to have more appointments, but it also adds to this burden, right, of us feeling overworked. 
We want healthy growth in our practices, but we also have to protect ourselves physically and mentally. So anyway, this AVMA study gave um, five reasons that we are overworked. And so I'll just go through those really quickly. One is the demand because we're getting more business. And we talked about that a little bit. The economy, it's a little bit janky right now. We can all agree that things are expensive. Um, We have workflow issues. Sometimes our productivity could be better. There's just more things to do when a pet comes in and not enough people to help us do them. Um, We have high rates of turnover. And then we we have expectations, like there's a mental imbalance between what we want to do and what we feel is reasonable and what's actually happening. So it's kind of like that reality shift that we talk about when your primitive brain thinks it should be one way and it's actually another, and that creates stress. And when you feel stressed, then you feel overworked. So it's real, but it's, it's also got some mental, um, mental gymnastics going on there. So If you're feeling overworked, um, and I imagine that most of you are, I want to talk a little bit about a scarcity versus a um, growth mindset or an abundance mindset, I I should say. Because if you're in scarcity mindset, it's going to be a lot harder to create the number of hours that you want to work at your hospital and also the amount of money that you want to you want to work. A lot of this is a mental exercise. And so if we can recognize that our thoughts are very powerful and part of this overworked, underpaid piece is the mental part of it. If we're thinking we're overworked and underpaid, then we will be in a scarcity mindset. And so in order to help pull us out of that, we need to cultivate more of a um, abundance mindset. So when you're trying to create a new mindset, you need time to notice what your thoughts are. And I worked with this the other day um, with somebody that I was coaching, and she was just really in that mindset that her practice was terrible and that she needed to get out. And so we, we talked about noticing her thoughts during the day. And many of the thoughts that she came back to me with were things like, oh, my coworkers don't know what they're doing. The clients are stupid. Um, I can't get all this done. Like she had all these negative, negative thoughts. And so that was really pulling her more into this scarcity or negative mindset. And if you start to notice that in yourself, those negative thoughts can be worked on. Some of what you're feeling can be alleviated by changing the way you're thinking. And it's not super simple. So I don't want to simplify this and say, just change your thoughts and everything will be hunky-dory. It won't. It's a lot of work. There's a slog. And that's why I wrote my book, because I want people to understand that you can do something to make yourself feel better about what you're doing. So the first step would be just take some time to notice what's going on in your head while you're working. Because if you're thinking, I'm overworked, all your thoughts are going to be pointed at that thought. And if you're feeling stressed, all your thoughts, your negative thoughts are going to be causing stress. And when you have negative thoughts and you're feeling terrible, you're not going to have any action steps to help yourself and you're not going to have any good results because your thoughts always create your results in your life. So if you start seeing thoughts or, or noticing thoughts 
that are more scarcity-based and fear-based, then you'll know that you're not in an abundance mindset. Write them all down. You know, don't shame yourself, but write them down so you can start to notice. Because once you start to notice, then you can really question your brain. So if I go to work and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a terrible day. There's so many clients. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm tired. You know, all the things that I actually do sometimes think in the morning, then I'm likely to have a bad day. And so if I can just decide that, okay, yes, I'm stressed out. Yes, it's going to be a busy day. But can I think differently about it? Can I think that, okay, today I'm going to help a lot of people. I have many opportunities to help clients. And I also have the power to do that. And if I get tired, I can take a break. Nothing, nobody tells me that I can't take a break at work. I absolutely can. And so I have to start thinking in a more positive mindset. And so I... Um, went through and found some scarcity versus abundance mindset examples so I could kind of show you what this is like so you can see the scarcity thoughts from the abundance thoughts. So let me read these to you. Um, The scarcity thought would be, I'm a victim. I'm out of touch. I'm overwhelmed. That's scarcity. When you're in an abundance mindset, it's I'm I'm in charge. I'm in the driver's seat. I am powerful. I'm strong. I can handle this. Those are your abundance thoughts. If you're in physical energy decline and you don't feel real well, things you might think in scarcity are, I'm, my shoulders hurt. My jaw is tight. I'm breathing heavy. I'm feeling anxious. Your physical energy is going to be down. You're going to feel dragged out. If you're in abundance, you will be more relaxed. You will be able to expand your posture. You will feel more balanced. You'll breathe deeper and you'll feel better. Your emotional energy and scarcity will feel like frustrated and impatient and anxious. Um, Powerless is another one that I sometimes hear. And then when you're feeling empowered, you're more engaged. You Look at it as a contribution. I'm contributing to this client's well-being. I'm contributing to the pet population's well-being. Then you'll feel more energized and you'll be more excited about working at your job. And then sometimes if you're really in scarcity, your mental energy will feel like all over the place, confused, disorganized. You'll think, I've got no choice. I'm stuck. I can't do anything. But if you're in abundance you're more clear. You can take action. You're more flexible. Those kind of things. So I want you to just notice if you're in that scarcity mindset and that's why you're feeling overworked and underpaid. And can you work towards getting into more abundance? And so I'm going to give you a few tips on how you can practice the more abundant thinking. Um, And I've said some of these before, so some of them may sound familiar. But one of them is doing some gratitudes. So either while you're working or before you go to work or when you get home from work, write down a couple things that you're grateful for. I like three, but you can use as many as you want. If you can only think of one, just write down one. But being grateful changes your brain from that negative thought pattern to a more positive thought pattern. It's very powerful. And there's many studies to back this up. If you look... At your life in negativity, it will always be negative. 
And so do the gratitude journaling. Um, Sometimes you can do like a whole list of what you're grateful for in your life. And that's really powerful too. But if you're feeling stuck at work in that overworked thinking, then you can start to do some gratitudes. Once you notice that thinking, if you have a mindset of hope that there that things are unlimited in the universe for you, that's going to help. And sometimes meditation will help with that. You can either do actual meditation at home or wherever you are, or just take a few minutes at your practice to get somewhere quiet and have a little peace and go into that peace with the intention that you're going to start to think better and feel better. The other thing I like to tell people to do is look at why you are passionate about vet med in the first place. Go back to the beginning, and this is one of the chapters in my books. You have to remember what it was like when you were so passionate about getting into this career in the first place, because we all wanted it badly. And even to this day, after doing it for all these years, I'm still fascinated by watching the vet shows on TV. I just found a new one that I really like. Um, I don't know if you've, if any of you've watched it, but it's called the Yorkshire Vet, and it's a veterinary hospital in England um, where James Harriet used to practice in that area, and it's great. I mean, it's a really good show. They practice medicine a little rough sometimes because it's farm medicine. Um, but so if you're a farm vet, kudos to you. I don't know how you do it. But, um, but it's really fascinating. So doing something like that for me reminds me why I love vet med so much. I love the adventure. I love the people, all the things. So if you can remember your passions, that will help you so much. Also noticing when something goes well. Oftentimes we notice the loses and not the wins, right? Or the losses, not the loses. Um, we, we notice when we lose. We notice when we fail. So try to notice when you have a success. Try to write that down. Remind your brain that most of your days are very successful and the failures are few and far between. That will help open up that abundance mindset. And as you open up to abundance, the money is going to come back to you. The feeling of love for your occupation is going to come back to you. And you're also going to feel less overworked, even if you work in the same amount of hours, which is, is very fascinating, right? So getting into that abundance mindset and watching your words, you know, because words are powerful and your chihuahua brain will give you negative words and you need to change them into positive. The other thing I like people to do is try to grow. And so that would mean becoming curious. How do other people feel about their job? Who else in this profession is practicing the way you would like to practice? Can you talk to them? Can you get some advice from them? I just spent um, lunch on Friday meeting with a group of um, veterinarians from all over the metro Detroit area where I live, and we have this management group, we call it, they call it the moms group because it's Macomb, Oakland County managers, and it's all veterinary owners, and they basically get together and just help each other, and it's great. I mean, there's people there of all ages and and eras, you know, some people that started their practice many, many years ago and other people that are just newly buying practices. And getting together with these brilliant minds is so helpful to keep you in that positive spirit. So if you don't have a group like that, create one. It's very easy to do. Just call other veterinarians in your area and see if you can have lunch once a month and just, you know, talk about your practices and get ideas from each other. It, it, it really 
for me over the years, it really expanded my horizons in my practice. I made so much more money because of that group. They helped me with that. And then they also helped me with problems and, you know, getting out of that woe is me way of thinking. And so getting that, that support is wonderful. The other thing that you can do to become more abundant is to start talking in affirmations. What can you say to yourself that makes you feel better, that makes you feel less overworked, that makes you feel less underpaid? And then what can you do, what actions can you take from that place of abundant to get more money? Can you see an extra client during the day? Can you raise your average charge per transaction? Because when you come across with that abundant, positive mind, you will inspire your clients to say yes, because you'll be more confident, you will be more um, adamant in your recommendations to them, and they're, they're going to be more likely to follow your recommendations because you're coming from a place of abundance and not scarcity. If you're thinking scarcity, they're going to feel that. That feeling comes out through your actions. And so your fear will become the client's fear. And then they're not going to pay you as much. Same thing with your bosses. If you're not getting paid enough, talk to your bosses. Talk to them about what you think you need and how can I get there? If you're paid on percentages, what do I need to do? How do I need to you know, raise my average charge per transaction? And how can I practice better medicine in order to do that? So it's all things that you can control by thinking and then some basic actions, right? Getting yourself in a better mindset is the first step and then taking some actions. Okay, now that we've worked on our mindset a little bit, I want to end with some actual practical things that you can do to make more money. Now, if you're paid on production, this will help you. If you're not, this will help your practice. So I would track your production so you know exactly how much you're bringing in. And then try some of these things. These are ideas from Mark Opperman in a article he wrote quite a few years ago, actually. But when I found it, I thought all of this is relevant to today. So I'm going to share some of his ideas on how to raise um, the money that you're bringing into your practice. Once you do start to bring in more money, that's how you can get paid more. You have to prove to your boss, prove to the person that's running your practice that you're making more money if you're not paid on production, and then ask for your raise. So let's go through this list a little bit quickly. I don't want to I don't want to belabor it because it's pretty obvious. The first one is to charge for everything that you do. Now, this was a real struggle for me when I was a new grad because you really always feel like you should be giving people a deal. Oh, that nail trim didn't take long. I should do it for free or I should discount it. Or, you know, we think that our services aren't worth anything. But if you think about charging for the services that you do and doing it consistently and not missing charges or not, you know, discounting like I I got out of the habit of discounting years ago and it helps you so much because your value your self-worth the value that you think of yourself is mostly tied up in what you're doing and so the more you can charge for what you do and charge appropriately the more money you'll make and the better you'll feel because you paid a lot of money to get through school you need to charge for what you do it doesn't matter if it's simple for you it took you all these years to acquire this skill and clients can't do it or they wouldn't be coming to you and so for them it's worth paying for 
when I go to the hair salon, I will pay for my to have my hair dyed. My husband says, why don't you dye your own hair? It's because I'm not trained to do that. And I don't want my dye job. I want it to look good. So, you know, it they want to pay for your services because you're trained for them. And they're used to paying for services. So don't discount yourself because you're basically taking away some of your self-worth. Client education is another thing. You have to really over-educate your clients so they know everything that's available to them. You can get your team to do it. if That would be ideal because then it won't take more of your time and you won't feel more overworked. But you want to offer those pets optimum health. So whatever that means, make sure that you have some sort of checklist in your practice to make sure that the clients are getting offered everything that that pet might need. That will, in the simplest terms, raise your um, transactions. Get a good reminder system, and most clinics have this, but if your reminder system is a little weak, if you're not doing callbacks, if you're not doing rechecks, make sure that you do that because that will help you a lot. And most most of this is, is aimed at managers and owners, but you can help. If you think your practice is lacking in that area, make some suggestions and see if your manager can make those reminder systems better to get those clients in the door, or better yet, book the clients before they leave. That's an even better thing to do. And if you hear Trent snorting in the background, that's my sick puppy. He's doing a little snorting, so I apologize for that. Um, Always offer blood work. Routine blood work is a key. Before surgery, annually, every six months if it's a senior, make sure that you're not discounting that because you can catch a lot of problems with that. There was another um, recommendation is that we have our technicians do more. Now, in some practices, the technicians are doing everything they possibly can. And in some practices, we don't have enough technicians, right? So it's really hard to hand off more services to them. But I would encourage you to allow your technicians to do as much as they possibly can. They will feel better about their job. They will be more than willing to help you if they're not under understaffed at this point. And it will allow you to do more, to see more clients, to bring more money into the practice. If you're short-staffed in technicians, try to be creative and figure out a way that you can help them and they can help you. It might be sending things out more often, sending out all the blood work, sending out all the fecal checks. Don't make them do things in the practice that don't need to be done. They don't need to answer phones. They don't need to you know, fight with clients. Someone else can do that. So that will allow you to free up everyone's time so they can do more for the clients. Make sure, this was an Opperman thing, which I heard this years ago, and it was very helpful. Make sure you charge a dispensing fee for your prescriptions. And I would bet that most practices do this now, is they have some sort of dispensing fee. But if your practice is suffering and it needs to make more money, look at that charge and see if you can up it more. Um, Every pharmacy does it. Every veterinary hospital does it. And if it's $5, up it to 10. If it's 10, up it to 12. There's always ways to increase some income in your practice to help you earn more money. Um, let me see if there's any other good ideas for you from Mark Opperman. Um, things like extra services. This was something that Dr. Sue Sales and I talked about at the Michigan conference. If you can come up with new services in your practice, this will help your well-being and it'll also help your um, your income. Something like if you could add chiropractic to your practice, any kind of massage, 
if you could do laser therapy, if you could do acupuncture. There's all these services, rehab services, that are extra services that clients will pay for. And if you become trained in those, you can bring more money into your practice. So offer those kind of things. Um, at one point, we did obedience, like puppy classes for, for clients because we loved obedience. So you can do all of those things. And that will definitely increase what you can bring into the practice and allow you to increase your salary. I love staff involvement. So if there's any games or contests contests you can do with your team to make them more efficient or get them to not miss charges and charging, that would be a, a lovely thing to do. And then education. You know, training your team is so important and training yourself. Training yourself in a better mindset, training yourself to think more abundantly, training yourself to be more or feel, I shouldn't say be, feel more worthy. Because if we're feeling a lack of self-worth, if we're feeling stuck, if we're feeling overwhelmed, we can't show up as our best self. And if we're not showing up as our best self, we're going to feel more overworked and more underpaid. And so I hope some of these things helped you today. It's not it's not a simple task, right? If you're feeling very overworked, you really need to work on yourself, put some time into it, maybe get coached or, or therapy or get together with some friends to talk it through so you can really get all those negative thoughts out of your head. But the key is understanding where you are now and how you're feeling overworked and why. And then how can we change our mindset to feel better? What can we think or what can we do? And doing sometimes means bringing more money in so you can get paid more. Like I always felt better when I got a bigger paycheck just because I thought that was great. Um, So sometimes that works. But if you can do both at the same time, bring in more money, get paid more, and change your mindset, that's going to be the gold. That's going to be when things start to really open up for you and you feel so much better. So if you have any questions, if you want to do any coaching or just try it out for a, a time, I have a place on my website to sign up. Um, it's juliecapel.com or theveterinarylifecoach.com, and you can go there. Um, my daughter just redesigned my website, and it's beautiful. So if you haven't been to it in a while, go check it out. She did a really nice job on it for me, and you can also get my book there. Um, let me give you at least one quote. Okay, I don't know if you like this one, but I think it's kind of good to talk about self-worth because I really think self-worth is part of feeling less overworked and less underpaid. And this is from Beyonce, which I don't think I've ever read a quote from Beyonce. So anyway, your self-worth is determined by you. You don't have to depend on someone else to tell you who you are. And that's true, right? It's all about you and knowing what you're worth. So go out there this week, do a little work on yourself, try to notice when you're feeling overworked and underpaid and what are the thoughts that you're having about that. And so do that little exercise and then do a few gratitudes and let me know how that works for you. I'd love to hear about it. Have a beautiful week, everyone. And next week, I think I'll be back with um, an interview with a financial guy. So hopefully you'll like it. Have a beautiful week. Bye. Bye.